Have you ever wondered uh, why people act the way that they do? Have you ever wondered why you act the way that you do? Has anything ever come out of you that you wish wouldn't have come out of your voice and attitude? Uh, sometimes they're ugly things. They're really <laughs> venomous, surprising, even to ourselves. Sometimes the things that we say, the things that we do. Have you ever wondered, where did that come from? I mean, like, what is behind that kind of statement? Or why did my coworker, why did my friend say that? And we wonder what it is. In the book of James, James pulls the veil off of the wonderment of why these things happen. And he opens our understanding to understand what's behind the attitudes and the actions and the words of others. And when you see and apply this in light of all the things that surround us, including ourselves, if you take it into our families, into our extended families, if you take it into the community, if you take it into your school, if you take it into your uh, place of work, if you even take it into nations or even globally, James explains it all. In James chapter 4, he explains why these things are happening. And so I, when I was looking at this passage, I thought about this is so applicable to how we are living today. It was applicable to the time when the early church was just born and just forming and people were following the Lord and yet they were meeting opposition. They were meeting people that actually hated them or mistrusted them or persecuted them. And then there was also things happening within the church that people began to attack one another. And so James writes this letter. And in chapter 4 of this book, it simply says this, and he gives us the answer right here. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. James is saying something very poignant here, very truthful. He's telling us that the problem externally is happening internally first in us. It's in our heart. There's this battle that is going on inside. I know a lot of people are concerned about global uh, uh, problems within the world, that there are nations that are fighting against nations. Do you know that there was a uh, historian, Will Durant, a famous historian, said that out of 3,400 years of recorded history, there are less than 268 years of peace when there was no war. I was surprised there were that many. Because I can't even recall in my lifetime a time when there wasn't a war going on in this world. But see, these battles are not only globally. They start in the hearts of people. They start in the human heart. And that's why Jesus came. He came to take over the battle in our lives, to forgive us of our sins and change us from the inside so that something happens on the outside with our words and our actions. See, James connects the 
external actions to the internal conflict in us, the war that is within us. You see, when he's talking about this idea that uh, you desire, it says you desire, but you don't have. Or don't they come from the desires that battle within you? That word desire in the Greek is hedon. It actually gets the words from uh, hedonistic or self-centered living. It is when it's all about me. When life is all about me and you're preventing me from getting something that I want, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for that. And sometimes people, it's not wrong to fight for what is right, but sometimes people fight in a selfish way, just to protect themselves or just what they want from their family, from their children, from their spouse. And so James is pulling back the veil and he's saying, really guys, the problem is within me. The problem is within you. The problem is within us. And he's speaking to the church. He's not preaching to the world here. He's preaching to the church to draw near to God because this situation, if unchecked, will drift you further and further away from God and even deceive yourself. So we're going to begin 21 days of prayer. Why do we even do something like this? Why? Because we all have a tendency to drift away from the presence of God. Our hearts are prone to wander is what the hymn says. So we have this tendency to drift away. And when we intentionally say, God, you know, I really want to get closer to you. Would you help me to do this? And then we begin to plan. And we say, I'm going to set aside some time, some extra time in these next 21 days to be in your presence, to humble myself before you and begin to connect with you in a deeper way. And when that happens... When we make that connection, there's a change that happens inside us. And it works out externally in the relationships around us. And so to ignore something like this, ignore something like God wanting you to draw near to him, is taking a very dangerous path in life. And I've seen too many people take this path and suffer the consequences that are sometimes just so devastating to their lives. But then God calls us to draw near to him. And so why does he do this? James is saying it's so important. James is saying in this internal battle that we have, we can be deceived by three things. We can be deceived by the world, by the things that are happening all around us. We can be so scared that we don't draw near to God, that we're just full of anxiety. We can be uh, affected by our own natural desires that battle within us. And that word battle actually means strategy. It gets the word strategy from it. We can come up with strategies of how we are going to fix things instead of going to God. And so James is saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> don't, get, don't get pulled away from the presence of God. And he says this, he actually calls the church adulterous people. <laughs> How would you like to sit in James' sermon? And he calls you an adulterer. How does he say that? Why does he say that? 
He says, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Well, why are we supposed to be friends with everybody? You're not supposed to be a friend with the world. It means you're not supposed to embrace everything that's going on in this world that doesn't line up with what the Bible says, with what the Word of God says, what God's standard is. He's saying, no, don't do that. Because once you start to embrace that, you will then be in opposition to God. It will cause you to drift further and further away from God. And so sometimes we just need a wake-up call. And that's what I think James is telling the church. He's telling them, wake up. Draw near to God. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes in your life, get closer to the living God. Because he says this, do you think the scripture says without reason that, the, that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Meaning that God loves for the Holy Spirit to take up residence in our lives and then to speak into our lives and to have this fellowship and this intimacy with us. He desires that so much that that's his goal. God's goal is to get you to draw nearer to him. But he's also given us a free will. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. We could just go our own way. We could try to handle things on our own. But God is always giving us an invitation to come closer to him. So James is warning in this book, the world, the flesh, and the devil will tell us it's all about you. It's all about what you need. It's all about your happiness, that's what's most important. And you know, we get that message all the time, don't we? We get that message all the time. You deserve it. You deserve a break today. You know, and, it, and it's not a bad message. It's just that it's all about us. And when it's all about us, when it's all about and only about us, then a lot of times we forget about God. And so God is calling us into something new, something different. You know, this can even happen in church because I want to tell you, there are so many churches. I'm, I'm glad that you came to church today, to this church. You know, I, I love each and every one of you. I do. But you could have gone to any other church. And there's a, uh, I don't know if you've seen this on the web, there is what they call, you know, have you ever heard of house hunters? There is church hunters now. Church hunters. I got a video that I want to show you. Uh, Chris is going to put it up. And this is about how subtly even our own selfishness and self-centeredness can even take the form of where we go to church. So just listen to this. You can watch this and listen. We have the sound up. Nick and Molly just moved to the city and can't agree on what they want. They are young and energetic and looking for a new church home. We'll take some personality tests, tour the sites, ask some questions, and based on taste, experience, and location, we'll find them the perfect congregation. I'm Corey Clark and welcome to Church Hunters.
We're so excited to find a church. We just started dating. Um, with the churches we go to now, just not, like for us, just not really doing it for us, you know? Right, I, I go to a satellite campus. I just find it hard to connect emotionally with a video screen, it's just. Okay, you cry during Cake Boss. So like, we've been doing a lot of services online, a lot of podcasts. There are a lot of preachers we do like. Really good, but we want we want serious yet funny. Yeah, like commanding of the stage yet relatable, you mm -hmm. know? We're more looking for uh, the humor of Andy Stanley with the body of Stephen Furtick. Hey guys, What's happening? I'm Corey. Good to see you, my name's Nick, this hey, is Molly. Molly. Hey guys, welcome to Church Hunters. This is your first church, this is Creekside First Baptist. So while it is traditional, it's still pretty current. Just okay. this year, the pastor started untucking his shirts. Oh, Ooh, wow. that's good. Big deal. He does dress his age though, so don't worry. He's past the Osteen suit phase, but he hasn't gone full Giglio yet. Okay, oh. so there's holes in the knees or no? Well, it's frayed, but no holes. Frayed, oh. no, okay, got it, yeah. perfect. Okay. So hey, let me show you around, okay? Right, let's Come on. do it. I do love this lobby. It's yeah. a great lobby, you know? Yeah. It's not too big, not too small, yeah. it should be enough room to catch up, chat with your friends. But here's a great thing. There's a bunch of side exits, so if you need to leave early and catch the game, you can do that. Got it. Yes. Wow. Honestly, right up front, uh, didn't love the name. No, I, First Baptist? Who names a church that anymore? I just... Not these days. We're looking no. for like a Thrive Church, maybe Relevant Church, I don't know, Radiant Church, something. This is the soundboard they use here. Okay. Now remember, right. it's pretty traditional here. So when Sunday comes around, they turn it way down low. Got it, <laughs> yeah. But the one knock on this church, they still use the childcare numbering system on the screens. Ooh, oh. for the... Yeah. Yeah. Or as the moms like to call it, the Sanctuary Walk of Shame. Yeah. <laughs> the Sunday morning experience was just a little too traditional for, for us. us. I mean, the pastor's main point, 157 characters. I can't tweet that. I really think you guys are gonna love this place. I like we it. We do, we like Feels it, great. yeah. You know, it's diverse, but it's not like too diverse, you know? Um, scripture heavy sermons? Oh or, yeah. 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 What about, uh, is it community oriented? Absolutely. Great. Oh, women in ministry? The parking situation, you guys gotta see it. Super rare nowadays. Come with me. There's like a, a maybe for when my parents we'll come into town yeah. for a church for Christmas, Easter type of church. Like a holiday Holidays. type church. One of the main reasons that I love this church for you guys is that on your personality test, Molly, you scored high in service and hospitality. Oh, babe. And there's wow. a great welcome team you could join. Perfect. Okay. And then Nick, you scored really high in need for accountability. Wow. And the men's groups here are amazing. You're just, you're just gonna put that out there? Hey, just God like knows that? your heart, okay? On the next episode of Church Hunters. I think you're really gonna love this place. They take relevance right, to a whole new level. This church identifies as inter denon Oh, so, so even, even when we go to church, we'll see episode two maybe next week. No, <laughs> come back. Oh, it's, uh, you can find those on YouTube. You could watch them all if you wanted to. It's pretty funny, but it's kind of shows the attitude within us. It's all about me, it's what I need to be happy, what I need to fit into a church. And it's not about giving. And, and Jesus was very, very specific on when he called the disciples. What did he say? What did he say to them? He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. It's a very different way that James preaches, that Jesus preached, it was about denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following Jesus. And in that, we find true happiness. In, the, in following Christ, in drawing near to him, we find purpose in our lives and something that really 
makes a difference in our lives. And it's this relationship with God. It's this uh, intimate fellowship with Him that He desires. So how can we draw near to God? I think that's one of the, the things that's difficult for each of us. Each one of us probably struggles with that. I know that I struggle with that, drawing near to God. How do I, how do, I do that? How does God want me to do that? And I think I do it best when, I, when I'm praying alone, but also when I'm praying with other people that are also committed to that same goal of drawing near to God. And God wants us to be involved in the process of drawing near to him. So how can we draw near to God? The Bible says this. I'm so glad James put this in here. You think he's, not, not all, he's all about you know, just telling you what to do? He's all about grace. He says, but he gives us more grace. He gives us more grace. You know, we've got this battle within us. We've got all these strategies going on in our minds, trying to get what we want. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And so the first step in how do you draw near to God is just to, first of all, be humble. Admit that there's something within you that needs changing. It's within us all. It's our sin nature. It's our flesh. It's, you know, drifting towards the dark side rather than walking in the light. And so we humble ourselves before the Lord and we ask him to change us. And when we do that, he's faithful to do that. He gives us the grace to draw near. And he says that throughout the scripture, there's always this invitation throughout the scripture with men and women that are caught in circumstances in their lives and difficulties in their lives, and God is calling them into relationship with him. We think about Moses at the burning bush. We think about David as a shepherd boy. We think about Samuel even as a young child. And it doesn't matter what age you are, God is inviting you into a relationship with him. I mean, you think about Samuel, the guy who was probably six or seven years old or even younger, when he first heard God's voice. I believe that God can speak especially to children because they're so, they don't have any defenses up. They're open to hearing from him. We, as we get older, we get all these reasons, we get all these strategies of why we don't have to draw near to God. I've already done that. I've already accepted Jesus in my life. I've already been baptized. I've already uh, been filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm just on uh, autopilot. And God is just going to bless me no matter what. I do. He's going to work all things together for good, which is true. But he's true to those that love him, to those that are called according to his purpose. A lot of times we don't finish the phrase there. And those he called, he also conformed to his image, that Christ would be formed in them. How do we get formed in Christ? It's because we're in his presence and we're drawing close to him. And so because of that, God begins to change us. I really think in this time in our life, in the life of our church, I know in my own life, I need to draw closer to the Lord. I hope you do too. You know, James uses this imagery of almost like an altar. He's Jewish. James is Jewish. And so he's talking about an altar there. And he's talking about cleansing ourselves and getting ready to offer a sacrifice. And what sacrifice are we offering? 
to God when we humbly come before him. For the Christian, we offer our bodies. We offer ourselves. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So many people that want to know, what does God want me to do with my life? It's only in drawing near to God that we discover that. It's only in drawing near to God that God opens up a door and you begin to recognize it and see it in the next step and the next step. And he puts you in a career for a certain reason, probably because you're gifted in that, but also because he wants to use you in that sphere of influence of people as well to show that God is real, that he's with you. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Meaning that James is saying there's also this spiritual battle. If you want to draw close to God, be ready for a spiritual battle. There's going to be a battle. Jesus modeled that. When Jesus did 40 days of prayer and fasting, what happened? He was tempted by the devil, and he actually had to fight the temptation with the word of God. He submitted himself to God, and then he resisted the devil, and the devil fleed from him. The same thing happens to us. Now, you can say, but I don't want to fight the devil. I don't want to be in a spiritual battle. But you're already in a battle. It's the war within us, and then the war without us, outside of us. The external war, the spiritual war that's going on. The best place to be? At the feet of Jesus. So James says we have to come and humble ourselves. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves under, before the Lord and he will lift you up. You know, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Peter and I and uh, Pastor Raymond, we were all at a uh, pastor's conference. Lori was there. Alon was there. And there was a message that was given, the second message. And uh, so there was an altar call given. Of if you needed healing, you go on this side of the room. If you need more of God, you come to this, the middle center. And then, I don't know what the other section was. I forget, too. But anyways, I knew I was supposed to go to the middle center. I want more. I want more of you, Lord. I, I know that I need to be closer to you than I am. And so, uh, you know, there's a bunch of pastors up front, and I went up front. And so I'm standing there, and, um, you know, the music's playing, and, and you're just, you know, you're just praying, you're asking the Lord to work. And all of a sudden, I heard the Lord said, kneel down. I, in my heart, I just you're supposed to kneel. And I'm strategizing now. There's a battle going on, right, in my mind. I don't have to kneel. It's not anything about the posture. You know, it's, it's nothing about, you know, if you're kneeling or standing, you're in the presence of the Lord. It doesn't really matter. And the Spirit said, kneel down. And do you know, I finally said yes. And I knelt down. So I'm there on my knees. And then the Lord just said, 
Put your head down. And you know me, I just broke down. <laughs> broke down crying. Why? Because I want the Lord. So I'm there praying. And then, you know, God a lot of times speaks to me through pictures. And so I see a picture of somebody whittling a piece of wood, carving a piece of wood. And, I, and then, uh, then the fire alarm went off in the whole, in the service. Everybody had to exit the building. Talk about this intimate time with God, and then the fire alarm goes off. Right, so everybody exits the room, and then you're supposed to go to a seminar and stuff like that. And I told Lord, I said, I can't go to a seminar right now. I need to process what what's just went on with this experience with God. You know, because a lot of times when you have an experience with God, when you're drawing near to God, it's not always makes sense right at the moment what is happening. You have to process what is God saying? What does that mean? Why did I have that picture in my mind? And then, you know, the Lord spoke to me. He said, Al, I'm, I'm still shaping you. I'm still forming you. I'm not done with you. And then I thought about, yeah, but cutting, whittling, you're going to shave off some things in my life. You know, what, you know that, that's, I mean, a piece of wood can't really feel anything. But, but see, God, when he takes things away or when he rearranges things in our life, there's things that he's doing in our life to prepare us, prepare us for the things that he wants us to do. You know, our theme for this year is, Lord, make me an instrument holy and useful for your purposes. If God wants to make us an instrument, that means he's going to have to do some work in our lives. But to do some work in our lives, we're going to have to come before him and let the master craftsman do his work in our lives. So that's why he's always calling us to draw near to him and not to just go about our busy lifestyle without intentionally coming into his presence. There's something powerful and precious when we do that. And do you know that there's times when I'll do a day of 21 days of prayer and seeking the Lord and fasting, and there'll be some days I don't hear anything from God. No fireworks, no nothing, but it's just part of the process. It's part of the process that he has, and he's asking you to be faithful in it. And so when you go into the faithfulness of seeking the Lord, he then, it says here, that he will lift you up. And the picture is of lifting you up is you're humbled, and then he lifts you up. And instead of having a bent posture and will, you actually stand up forgiven with direction, with insight, with wisdom that you didn't have before you went before him. Why do we draw near to God? That's one of the main reasons. We need it. It's helpful to us, and it's helpful to the people around us. So I encourage you to do this. So who is, who is supposed to humble themselves? All of us. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 
And a lot of times what stops us, you think it would push us towards the will of God, worry and anxiety, but a lot of times it actually causes us to drift away. Why? Because we think we can fix the thing or the person that we're worried about or the, the main pressure on the job or in school or what's going to happen in the future. And really, God is calling us to humble ourselves so that he can lift us up in due time. I'm going to close here. Psalm 73, verse 28. I don't know if you were there a couple years ago, but uh, Thomas Wong preached right through Psalm 73 at one of our retreats. And in the end, he concluded the whole message with, but as for me, it's good to be near to God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. You know, so when we go into the presence of the Lord, and I know each one of us has seen and experienced things and wondered why in the world did that happen? Why in this world did this terrible thing happen? Or did this person do that? But I want to tell you, but as for me, it's good to be near to God. You make the sovereign Lord your refuge, and then he begins to give you wisdom and insight for your life and the lives of those that you love to help them and to minister to them. See, it's not just about us. It's not just about me. It's about also being used as a tool by God to help other people. And so that's why we've kind of set up some times of prayer. We have set up some times of prayer on Wednesday and Sunday for you to be a part of. So what are some action steps on being involved in this 21 days of prayer, of being involved in uh, drawing closer to the Lord? First of all is humble yourself. Draw near to God these next 21 days. There is, if you don't, if you don't have, are not on the email list of our church, we send it out every week. There's an update that Pastor Peter or myself give, a, a pastoral update of what's going on, who to pray for. If you're not on that list, you need to be a part of it. Give us your email. There's a, a sign-up sheet right in the back by Esther has it. Put your name there. We'll make sure that you get the um, sign-up. If you don't do computers and you want a hard copy, let me know, and I can get you a hard copy of the 21 Days of Prayer, the guide that will help you. There's also a devotional for you to go through every day, and you can be a part of that. It's actually 30 days long, and I borrowed it from uh, Maylin's church, uh, from uh, my, my son-in-law's church, and they did this uh, continuous revival. It's one of those books that we've read in Sunday school, but it's based on that, drawing near to God, humbling ourselves. The other thing is you need to pray with others and learn with others how to overcome in battle, in spiritual battle, with yourself, with your flesh, with the world, with the enemy, Satan. That only happens in small groups. That only happens when you really do life together and share your heart and your burden with other people. And that can be a great resource for you. Pray with others. We're going to be breaking up into small groups. We're not going to be just having one person pray for five minutes and then you sit there and fall asleep. We're going to be breaking up into small groups in our prayer meetings. We're going to ask for God to speak to us. We're going to share with one another. It's going to be a great time. And three, be changed by him and be a change agent. Meaning by, <clears throat> as God begins to change, 
you and work in your life, then be used by him to change things. Now, that was a funny clip we had on churches, but I know our church is not where it's supposed to be yet. There's things that we can improve. There's ways that God wants to use us in a greater way than he has already. It's only going to come as we become change agents, as we see the need, as we speak up, as we say, is this possible, as we pray together, as we seek God together, God can use us as a body of Christ to help others and to reach out to others. So I believe this 21 days of, of prayer and drawing near to God and fasting is so important. Um, I, I really do believe it. I believe it's crucial for the health of our church and probably for the health of our spiritual lives as well. So I, I encourage you to be involved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word to us today. We ask, Lord, that you would, through the power of your Holy Spirit, bring application into our lives. These next 21 days, Lord, we pray as we draw near to you, as we humble ourselves, as we come before you in humility and say, Lord, I need more of you. And as we make room for you in our lives, as we get rid of the things that, Lord, that distract us from you, that pull us away from you, Lord, that we leave space for you to work in our souls. We ask that you would do that deep work. Father, we submit ourselves to you. We do resist the devil. And Lord, we ask that you would work and move in powerful ways in our life. And pray this in the mighty name of Jesus.